the presence of God in you, not around you, not by you, but in you is the promise of Pentecost. The presence of God. His, I mean, that's a crazy thought when you think about it. Do you know no other religion in the world claims that? I mean, Islam doesn't claim that Allah lives in you. Hinduism doesn't claim that God lives in you. You know, Judaism doesn't even believe that God lives in you. This is it. This is the idea of the Spirit of God being distributed on every person. The presence of God. I will tell you this. I think, personally, that you and I can endure just about anything if we know, believe, trust that God's presence is with us. Good amen on that? Yeah. And we'd always sense it. I understand that. But it's one of the pictures of Pentecost. The third one I'm going to give you, we're going to hurry here. This one will cause lots of fun. Tongues. Oh, yeah. This has been a dividing line um, um, for, for churches and lots of churches. <clears throat> but I want to ask you to consider a couple things. Number one, the term glossolalia or glasso, it would be interesting for anybody still read a King James Bible by any chance. You, not many do. If you go to the front of the King James Bible, now again, you're looking at King James Version here. Go to the front of the Bible and it will say, uh, diligently translated from the original tongues. You ought to notice that. That ought to give you some hint as to what that word means in the King James for sure. Diligently translated from the original tongues. So, what is this? This is this picture of these languages, if you will, that are being spoken because the crowd says, hey, we hear them speaking of the mighty deeds of God in our own language. In fact, it goes further when it says later that we hear them, it says they are speaking in our dialect. The two words are glosso and dialectos. That the idea here is that there are these languages that are being communicated to tell people of the mighty deeds of God. I would suggest to you that this picture suggests this, that we have enlightened, to enlighten people. The tongues are this. There's a, there's a fascinating passage in Isaiah 49 that says this. Um, to Israel, I will make you a light to the nations. I will make you a light to the nations. And it's interesting to me here that as they communicate and as they speak in all these different languages, these nations say, we hear the mighty deeds of God. Israel, in one sense, is fulfilling their promise. They're fulfilling their purpose here, that they're to be the place where they become a light to all the nations as they declare the mighty deeds of God. And so they're, in, they're enlightening these people. They're letting them know. I, I almost use the word, and maybe it's the day we live in, evangelism. But that word sometimes carries a lot of connotation that I think that here's the idea that as they communicate and as it's the promise of the Old Testament, 
that what's happening is that the nations are being enlightened about the work of God. They're, they're figuring it out. Here, here's the question I had as I was working through this. I thought to myself, does my life enlighten the mighty deeds of God or does it cloud it? Does my life enlighten people to see the mighty deeds of God or does my life cloud it up, make it difficult to see? You know, people would say it, it, like that to me, hey, I thought you were a Christian. You know, now, I, that, that might be a legitimate thing to say at times. Or it might be that, you know, what do people mean by that? But, but the idea here of tongues is it's enlightening these people to say, the mighty deeds of God now are available to you and everyone else that hears. They're enlightened. Are you and I a light to the nations? Do they see the power of God or Jesus in our lives? I have to ask myself that, you know? I, get, I don't want to become that old guy. You know, I feel like sometimes I'm in my neighbor. Hey, get off my yard, you know? I, you know, I don't want to be that guy. Or get off Becky's yard, you know? It's more accurate. More accurate. Get off Becky's yard, you know? It's an important question that, that, that in my judgment, that, that this, this enlightenment of tongues, I, I will tell you, it's interesting. I just got to say this. There are only three places that tongues occur in Acts. Only three. Jerusalem, Samaria, and Ephesus. Only three times. Only, only, only three times. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm back up. Jerusalem, <clears throat> Ephesus, and with, uh, in uh, chapter 10 with Cornelius. Why is that? It's this enlightening. Jerusalem, tongues, is a sign to the Jews. In chapter 10, where it happens at Cornelius' house, it's a sign, who is Cornelius? He's a what, a soldier for Rome? Yeah. So the Holy Spirit comes there and tongues are there to speak to the Romans. And in Ephesus, what's the culture there? Greek. Tongues occurs there in Ephesus with Apollos. And that is the testimony to the Greeks. Isn't that interesting? It's only three times. Here we go. It's only three times. Here we go. Jewish culture, Roman culture, Greek culture. In the biblical world, how many more cultures are there? None. This suggests, again, that the work of the Spirit is to enlighten the world, to be a light to the nations, to the Jews themselves. Go check it. Chapter 10 to the Romans, where in Ephesus in 14 or 19, uh, it's, it's to the Greeks. Are you and I living as light to the nations? Are you and I, I'm just asking the question for myself as well. Do we enlighten in our lives through the spirit to the other nations? Okay, I'm gonna finish here in just a second. The last one here, or next one is this, enable. <clears throat> the spirit enables them, if you will. <clears throat> and we know throughout the rest of scripture we know that throughout the rest of Scripture that there is this uh, matter of being enabled. 
Again, this is why Jesus said, wait. You don't have the power. You don't have the strength. You know, what's interesting to me is the inability to kind of pull all this stuff together of the work of the Spirit, this enablement. I think entire denominations have grown up around them. Give me an example. There's some of us followers of Jesus who believe that the enabling of the Spirit is that we might produce the fruit of the Spirit. And that's called the holiness churches. The holiness churches, the Nazarene, the church of God, uh, the church of God in Christ. They, they, they believe that the, the, the work, the enabling of the Holy Spirit is make us live right. Right? Okay. Built an entire denomination around it or group. Second, I have lots of friends and many of you who grew up in the Baptist church. In the Baptist church and in some reformed churches, the Holy Spirit's enabling is for what? Huh? Evangelism. Man, you go to a Baptist church, you know, it's not going to end until, you know, at the end of vacation Bible school, they're going to invite anybody. That's okay. I mean, it's great. You know, we we, we used to say, it doesn't matter what kind of service you go to in a Baptist church, they're going to give the altar call, right? And they're going to sing till somebody comes, (laughs) right? That's a little flippant, but but evangel, right? Talk about evangelism. Okay, okay, okay. Some of my friends who are more charismatic believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is for what? Huh? Power for, for, for ministry, for spiritual gifts, worship, right? And then we've got the mystics, mystical, who believe that the power of the Spirit is to live in that sense of God's presence. You know what? We have so much trouble with this, we've built entire denominations around them. So if I am in the Baptist tradition, I can, you know, this is cliff, this is not a theological truth, but I can just basically be concerned about evangelism. Or if I'm from the charismatic tradition, all I really got concerned about is power and ministry and worship. Or if I'm in the holiness tradition I grew up in, we didn't care if anybody got saved, we just wanted to live good. <laughs> You know, everybody else could go to hell as far as we we're concerned, right? Anybody from the Nazarene church and the church of God like that, right? We were so worried, you know, we were concerned that adultery might lead to dancing. And I didn't say that wrong either. <clears throat> I didn't say that wrong. I said that exactly the way it is, that we were always afraid that adultery would lead us to dancing. Because we were so, isn't it crazy? You know, here's the deal. The enabling of the Holy Spirit It's for every one of those. The enabling of the Holy Spirit is for us to have our gifts and use them in ministry and worship God in spirit and in truth. The presence of the Holy Spirit is to give us power and open our mouths and unlock our jaws so that we'll give witness to Jesus. The the Holy Spirit's power is really there for us to experience the presence of God. If you want to say this kind of mystical thing, he's there The the presence of the Holy Spirit is really there to give us power to live right. But but we can't figure that out. Beg. She's asking me, where do I lump the Methodist, the Lutheran, and the Episcopalians? I want to think on that one. (laughs) No, I think it's more. I, I, I would say it's more 
proclamation. Evangelism, not really. The proclamation of the word in the services where the power of the spirit is to give great teaching, great proclamation. I think that's more where they land. Yeah, but, but the thing is, is all of these are true. And probably every one of us have an inclination toward one. And instead of saying, wait a minute, the spirit comes in power, not just for proclamation, not just for good living, not just for worship, not just to experience God's presence, but all of them. You know, it might be, it might be instructive for you to at least identify, where do you think you land there? Does the Holy Spirit make you nervous if people start, you know, using spiritual gifts or start talking about spiritual gifts or talk about worship? Or do you get nervous when you say, you know, if you have the Spirit, you're going to open your mouth and you're going to talk about Jesus? Evangelism. Or, or do you get nervous that we're all going to become like holy Joes around here? You know, we're, we're too worried about how we're living. Or are you, are you more in the, in the mystical camp of, of uh, that I just want to feel Jesus' presence and that's what it is? I just, I just want to ask you to consider that the Holy Spirit's enabling is for all of these. All of these. Not one. All. And I would say that in some sense, it's our own poverty that we experience that. So I'm, I'm going to finish with this. I love this quote by E. Stanley Jones when he says, unless the Holy Spirit fills, the human spirit fails. Unless the Holy Spirit fills, the human spirit fails. I, I will tell you one way. <clears throat> you say, well, Cliff, I... And I think life's going pretty good here. I, I'll tell you how there's one way that you can, you can get a greater sense of your need for the Spirit. Here's one way. <clears throat> I'll help you if you're, if you're interested in this. There's one way for you to live with a greater sense of your need for the Holy Spirit. And that's get involved in real ministry with real people who have real problems. You'll suddenly find out that the resources you have or the resources I have aren't going to get it. And some of us, perhaps, have managed our life to the point that we never get really involved with real people, with real problems, in real ministry. And we can live for quite a while with not much sense of need. I just challenge you, if you want to up your sense of God's presence in your life, you want to up your sense of need, find some real people that have real problems and need real ministry. And you'll discover <clears throat> that the human spirit fails. It's only the Holy Spirit filling so I'm going to finish with this. I know I've kept you long, but you know I'm out of school. So how do you end this? I, I, I want to ask you to consider this in your own life. What if you determine which of these pictures? Is it fire? Is it wind? Is it tongues? Is power? Of these pictures that you need to have in your picture folder and place a picture of wind, fire, tongues on a mirror to see each morning before you leave for the day. 
We, we may have to study this more, but I, <clears throat> I just want to call your attention to a couple things. This is not, <clears throat> some of us have this kind of fix me mentality. <clears throat> you may say today, Cliff, I, I'm convinced <clears throat> I need to live more in the spirit. So here, here's what I want to say to you. <clears throat> Acts, <clears throat> the book of Acts reveals this clearly. In chapter two, all of these people are filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? After a couple of events, <clears throat> by chapter four, the same group are filled with the Spirit again. This is not one and done. This isn't some way of thinking I can get fixed if I'll just ask the Spirit to come in. I want to ask you to consider this for the next week. Pray each morning. Lord, I open my life today to be filled with your spirit and let him do whatever he wants to do. If you feel something, great. If you don't, that's okay. But for the next seven days that you open your life to say, this is not a one-time thing, but I need to bring it to a conscious level, an awareness in my life that I need today for you to fill me with your spirit and leave that day in faith that he has. And confidently, what it hopefully will do is this. It'll adjust your breathing. Remember what I said? We get nervous and get uptight about what happens to our breath. <laughs> right? When I leave now, I'm going to leave knowing I've prayed and asked God to fill me with his spirit today. And I'm going to walk into this day breathing. Breathing in his life, the wind. Experiencing his presence, the fire. Having his enablement, his tongues, or the tongues of fire that he gives to me. Every day, not once, not twice, every day. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, on this day, Pentecost, we celebrate the gift that you promised and you told us would be ours through faith in Jesus that you said <clears throat> this would be the promise of the Father. So for those of us today who may have tried to live breathing on our own or doing our own thing, would you help us today <clears throat> to just receive the gift afresh and anew, the, fre the freshness of the Holy Spirit in our life, that we might not only experience on the cross what you did for us, but we might experience in Pentecost what you have done in us. We ask this in Jesus' name with the assurance that you hear us. Amen.